Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, we're back. I know we didn't have a preview podcast as usual, but a lot going on this week. Wasn't able to get to it, but we'll be back to the regular schedule this week. There was also uh, a lot going on this week as well in the lacrosse world in terms of scheduling, where we saw games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, Big, important games on all three of those days as well. And here on Sunday night, you know, we'll get started with the one that just finished about an hour or so ago. And that is Johns Hopkins taking down the Syracuse Orange 10-7 to in this one. Look, I'll say right off, you know, right out of the gate here, I, I don't think this was a, was a good game from either team. I don't think either of these teams are necessarily top 20 teams. They certainly are not playing like that. Uh, Syracuse outshot Hopkins 54-29. to 29. They only put 21 of those shots on cage. Uh, their so- shot selection was a bit speculative. Um, we-, we know what this offense can do, right? They're, they're a dodge-heavy offense. But we've seen glimpses against Army, against Virginia in the second half against Hobart at times. Like, we've seen glimpses of what this offense can be. I feel like we didn't see that today. And, look, Jacob Fopp was winning the dot uh, pretty consistently, 14 for 21 on the day. And, you know, despite that dominance at the faceoff dot for, for Fopp, Syracuse just did not they, – they, they didn't shoot well. Like, like, they possessed the ball, but they didn't do much with it. And, look, in today's game, um, at this level, the ACC, Big Ten, if you're getting seven goals in a game and you're not facing a goalie that's necessarily hot, um, per se. And Kewson, I thought, played well, had 14 saves in this. But uh, Syracuse, much more of their failures offensively, you know. And, look, the Hopkins defense played fine. I think the Hopkins I think defense probably is Hopkins' strength uh, in, in many respects. But, uh, it, you know, for me at least, I, I didn't see too much that Hopkins def- that the Hopkins defense did that really stifled the Syracuse offense. Um, I saw more of just Syracuse not, not playing well offensively. You know, obviously Hopkins jumped on that and credit to them for doing that and being able to capitalize off that. But, Really, neither team played good in this one. And we mentioned the Syracuse shooting. Um, They were shooting 14% at the half, hit six pipes in the first two periods there. Uh, And and obviously that did not change uh, in in the second half either. Uh, For Hopkins, 58% clearing, 7 of 12 in the first half. They end the day 17 of 25 in the clearing game. 68% 68% mark there. That is, that's not good. That is not good. Um, Hopkins, like, they're not going to be able to go and play Maryland, play Rutgers, some of these other Big Ten teams, and, and clear the ball that poorly. Like, they're not, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. 
you're not going to do that. Now, thankfully uh, for Hopkins, they were able to get the possessions they got when they got it over the field, right? And, like, granted, they did go f- over 50%, but in the clearing game, you want to be 85, like, 80, I, I, I usually say it is, like, the minimum, but really what coaches will tell you kind of you want to be, obviously you want to be 100, but you want to be in that 85 to, like, 90 range is, is like, the lowest you want to be um, in, in the clearing game there. So Hopkins pretty well below that. Um, and, and I thought Syracuse, Syracuse did do a good job in the ride. You saw multiple times where they stepped up there. So credit to the Orange there. Uh, they just, could again, could not capitalize on their possessions. And uh, Hopkins, when they did possess the ball, um, and, and by the way, I mentioned FOP. I thought Hopkins, especially in the second half, did a good job um, on the wings. And I thought Syracuse did fine on the wings as well. Uh, using those guys there to get some of those ground balls when you didn't necessarily win the clamp, uh, win the initial draw. Uh, but for Hopkins, when they did get those possessions, they capitalized. And, look, I, I thought Jonathan Peshko, uh, t- two players really stand out for me from for this game for, for Syracuse. Obviously, you know, Kirsten mentioned he had 14 saves. I thought he played well. I thought that defense played pretty well. But, again, um, I do ask myself how much of that success was Syracuse just not being particularly good or deep on offense and how much of it was a good defensive performance. I I would go maybe somewhere in in the middle there because certainly both are true, Um, at least in the second half, especially where Hopkins' defense did step up. Uh, But for Hopkins offensively, Joey Epstein, Jonathan Peshko, I thought really played well. Uh, Peshko, he got that one little hesitation step, gets above GLE, gets topside there in the first quarter to get, I believe that was his first of the game. Um, And then he got two more in the third quarter alone, uh, back-to-back goals that made it seven to five. Uh, Joey Epstein assisted on one of those. He had two other assists in the game. And Epstein bookended the game uh, with a pair of goals himself, had the first and the last goal of the contest. I thought in six-on-six, six, when they got settled and those two guys were able to operate, they did a pretty good job. Um, and I mentioned Peshko and that one play in the first quarter. I thought that was probably one of the best plays that we saw from Syracuse, just that one-on-one dodging from behind the cage. Uh, we, we takes it around the cage from Peshko. They're probably one of the better plays that we saw in the first half alone as that first half was a little rough. Uh, 4-4 at the half. Hopkins outscores Syracuse 4-2 to in the third and then 2-1 two to, two to one in the fourth quarter to get the win. So Hopkins pulls out the win, beating Dave Petromala for the first time as the DC at Syracuse. Uh, other game I want to mention here from Sunday, Loyola. Uh, look, they started one and four. Certainly not what you want to see from, from, from Loyola. But 
you could tell, and I tweeted this, I think, in the first quarter. Um, I said, you know, Loyola Salt hasn't necessarily been good, but you've seen improvements uh, in many respects in each of their games. And look, it was a close one against Rutgers. It was a close one against Hopkins. And, you know, really the only blowout was close against Towson. The only blowout was, was Maryland. Um, and, and look, you lose to Maryland. I think everyone expected them to lose to Maryland. Not that bad, though. Um, but a month later, it seems Charlie Toomey's squad may be finding its bearings. Um, knocked off Lafayette last week in the Patriot League opener. Uh, actually had to fight a little bit for that one. And then today they welcome in number eight ranked Duke. And uh, a statement win for the Greyhounds. A statement win for the Greyhounds. 12 to 10 victory. And look, I'll say it's 12 to 10 victory. You might think it's a two goal win. Um, This was a blowout. How can a 12 10 game be a blowout? I'll tell you. Duke got all their goals in garbage time. This was a 10 to 2 game at the half. Loyola didn't, like, they didn't need much else in the second half. They, frankly, in the fourth, started to pull the dogs off, and Duke Duke did what Duke can do, um, which is why you can never pull your dogs off against Duke, no matter how much you're up. Uh, Duke did what they did, and they ended the game on a 6-0. I mean, they ended the game on a, I think it was a five or six goal run, uh, which they ended the game on to uh, cut things down to two. Um, and and, they, and uh, Jake Naso won those final two face-offs and were really big for, uh, for Duke. And Duke had an opportunity late with under a minute left. Uh, Brendan O'Neill gets the last goal, and then Naso wins that in swing face-off. They had an opportunity. Credit to Sam Schaefer. In the second half, I thought he played well. Um, you know, he wasn't asked to do much at all because really Bailey Savio dominated the dot. Loyola dominated possession in the first half of play, and, and especially so in that 6 0 second quarter where we saw Kevin Lindley go off. He had, uh, he had a sock trick on the day uh, and had an assist as well for seven points. So, like, look. This was a game where Duke, they got hot late, and three or four of those goals came in garbage time. Uh, so this was a 12-10 to 10 blowout, in a sense. Um, and, look, I, I think Loyola, they, 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 I, they certainly let things happen late that they shouldn't have let happen. So, like, there's still a lot of work to go to, to go on there, but offensively, I think they've really found their bearings. Kevin Lindley, we saw operate more as a Dodger than, than, than we've seen him in the past, which was interesting. Evan James, I thought, played well. They're also on the offense for the Greyhounds. Um, and defensively, like, when Duke did have those possessions early on in the game, Loyola's defense, they did force them, uh, did force turnovers, did play well, uh, forcing Duke into some bad shots. 
Uh, Peyton Rizanka, I thought, played very well at the short stick defensive midfield spot. Four ground balls, three college turnovers, played very good. Really outside of Brennan O'Neill, you didn't have anybody get like any great opportunities. He had the first two goals in the, in the first half, um, and then had the last one there, or the last two, or two of the last uh, goals, I should say, as he scored the final one and then had the first of the fourth as well uh, with four goals on the day. Um, and look, Duke's defense, we, we, we know, um, is not spectacular. The short sticks aren't spectacular, uh, especially. Uh, you know, I don't know if they have a pole that can really step up and be a force when a short stick gets beat. Um, and when you play in an offense that, and look, Loyola, we've said this on here before, isn't as athletic as some of these ACC and Big Ten teams, but they can play lacrosse. And when they can play lacrosse and you're beating your guy, it's tough to guard. And Duke not having those horses definitely uh, played a part in that. Now these other two Sunday games, I didn't necessarily get to watch. Uh, but do you want to mention them, though, here? Yale holding off Denver in this one. Do we call it the TD Irwin Bowl? I, I don't know. Um, you know, Yale in this one seems to be, you know, they were ahead pretty much the whole way. And Denver really didn't get going until third quarter, you had a little three goals on there, made it nine to nine to eight. Um, and really after that, Yale kind of went off and did their thing again. It's the 16-13 win, Matt Brandau, another big day for him, eight points off five goals and three assists. Leo Johnson with a hat trick, Jared pa- uh, Paquette, 15 saves in cage. Uh, J.J. Selstrop leads Denver. Two goals, three assists. Uh, Alec Stathakis, 60% at the dot, had himself a good game as well. Um, and then the Cardiac Quakers strike again. Uh, this was a defensive game here. Eight to seven over Villanova. Uh, I can't remember what's it called, the Federal Cup or whatever they get in this one. Uh, well, Philadelphia rivalry game. Dylan uh, Gagar with the... the the finish, and this is this is the third straight game in which we've seen a wild finish from Penn. The Quakers get with half a second left. Uh, Gagar scores the game winner, um, and that came just after James Shipley, who sent um, home the game winner last week against Penn State, tied things up at seven uh, with one eighteen remaining. A really, really good game for uh, defensively for, for both teams here. Uh, Villanova had a solid day uh, defensively, especially in the second half, holding, uh, I mean, it was 6-4 to four at the break. They hold uh, Penn to just one goal there and uh, held them scoreless, I believe, in the third. Uh, and then they get those two there in the fourth to get the 8-7 to seven 
Victory, uh, Justin Coppola, 72% at the dot. Villanova, uh, again, dominating the face-off dot. Uh, or I should say Penn not having a good day at the face-off dot. Again, uh, that could, you know, one area with this team that really is a weakness for them. Patrick Buckenshaw, 13 saves in cage, and he faced an onslaught Wildcats, 51 shots, 25 on cage there. So another Kodiak Quakers game from Penn. <clears throat> Moving on to Saturday. So um, Ohio State and Notre Dame was kind of the big one here. And like we see Ohio State get the back-to-back win. Or get the bounce-back win, excuse me, not back-to-back. Get the bounce-back win. Um, and look, Jack Myers, uh, a week ago, was held one point by uh, Adler and Cornell. On Saturday, he has seven points, four goals, three assists. Jack Myers is back, folks. Jack Myers is back. Um, and really what we saw him step up the most was this six-goal Buckeyes run from early in the th- uh, early in the second through early in the third, that put the Buckeyes up eight to four. Um, there, Scott White also scoring twice during that run. That run really pushed the Buckeyes ahead as they had started slow, uh, got down two zero, uh, were down I think four two um, at the end of the first, if I remember correctly. And really, not, not a good day for Nasio. He did not do well. In the first quarter, was pulled. Uh, they put in Drew Blanchard. They put Anasio back in. He's pulled in the third. Um, as Notre Dame was able to go on a couple of runs and, and get back into this one. And off those Will Lynch wins at the faceoff dot, I, I think he's really improved. Uh, the freshman Will Lynch throughout the season. I've uh, been impressed with his improvement each game. Um, Andrew Blanchard ended the game there. Uh, at the dot, taking the majority of the face-offs for Ohio State. Skyler uh, uh, Ruin comes in, replaces Caton Johnson uh, in after the first quarter. So uh, we had a goalie change, and we had a face-off change, although Anayasio went back in, then was pulled again. So um, ha- had some different looks there at the face-off dot in the, uh, and in cage for Ohio State. And it seems the latter uh, worked for them well on Saturday. The real story here, you know, I, I mentioned Notre Dame was was able to get uh, some big runs there. And, <clears throat> you know, they were able to get within one, uh, get within two a couple times. And each time they did that, it, they, 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 it, there was a penalty committed, um, at least in the third. There was two, there was three times where they pull within one, pull within two. You get a penalty on the ensuing play or, or a couple plays later. Ohio State gets the man up and they capitalize. Ohio State goes five for five on the man up. Really, really killed Notre Dame in this one. And it's funny, I was looking back, uh, the, one of the last games before everything, uh, before the season was shut down in 2020. Uh, was Ohio State Notre Dame, 
uh, I think it was that like Tuesday um, or uh, it might have been a Sunday game that weekend before or two weeks before. Um, so one of the last like big games was Ohio State Notre Dame, and oh, it, what do you know? Ohio State went six for six in the man up there um, in that game. So kind of funny that similar things go in here. Look, Ohio State. I, I think this getting this win the way they did um, show it shows their depth. Obviously, with Ruin and Blanchard being able to step in and, and do what they did, um, and then Jack Myers, and then that offense, they're going to get what's theirs. They're going to get what get what's theirs. Uh, but then defensively, also, I thought Ohio State showed a lot. Bobby Van Buren, who's been really good this season, uh, was tasked with guarding Pat Cavanaugh. He held him two goals, one assist. And look, Pat Cavanaugh is still one of the best offensive weapons in the country. But in the past couple games, he's faced some really tough uh, defensive matchups and hasn't necessarily gone the way that he would have liked. So uh, we'll see here as the Irish continue to play. Uh, and, and look, we'll see what, what they do against Michigan uh, next week as – We'll talk about Michigan here in a second. That's going to be a big one for both of those teams. But I do think Ohio State, like the main thing I take away from this is just the 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 depth on this team and just the way they're able to fight back. Because, look, Notre Dame, they were not out of this game. Like they were never completely out of this game. Um, but it's just those little things, those penalties, the, the man up, those little things. And you see this in every game that the Irish have played. They, they, they aren't necessarily ever out of it, but there's like little things that, that, that make the difference and they're not able to able to to touch those up. And that happened here again today. And look, credit to Ohio State for bouncing on it. Um, I th- they, they showed to me at least that they're still a top five team um, and they're still a team that's going to compete there in the Big Ten. And look, their start, it is not a fluke, right? Um, you know, we saw what they did in the clearing game uh, has still been an issue for them, but it, it didn't really hinder them at all uh, against the Irish. Um, that was an issue against Cornell that we saw where they ran into that big red ride, and clearing hasn't necessarily been their strongest suit, but they can make up for it in many other ways, um, and, and they did that. Moving on to the team we just mentioned, uh, Michigan, Michigan, and they're gonna have a big one against Notre Dame this week, uh, this this next weekend. As I think, do they go to South Bend or is it in Ann Arbor? I want to say it's in South Bend, but I don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but uh, Michigan, they're coming off their first loss, right, going into that one. Uh, what coming into Saturday, they were seven and zero, averaging eighteen point four three goals per game, as the nation's top ranked offense. Harvard found a way; they found a way. Credit to the Clemson fourteen nine victory, hold Michigan to single digits in this one, and Harvard like offensively. So defense is really what won this game for Harvard, but offensively, I thought they played very well. Uh, they did a lot of things that ball movement wise that you like, man, like 
And and the broadcasters were saying this on the uh, broadcast. If you go back and watch it, I think there was one or two times where they said, you know, Harvard is doing everything that Michigan needs to be doing. Uh, Simply just outplayed them on, on really both ends. And Harvard is, is, is a team in the Ivy. The Ivy's made a statement, but the Crimson haven't really had the chance to make a statement, uh, a big statement yet. But they did so on Saturday, getting the win there uh, against the Wolverines. That defense played fantastic. They're uh, really hinder, helping to hinder that Michigan offense. And a lot of times the Michigan offense looked like they were just kind of, you had a dodger and then everybody else was kind of standing around. Uh, you didn't have guys you know, clearing out in the middle. It just was not, at, at times, was not the best performance really at all. It didn't look like what we've seen from Michigan. Now, you know, I still think this is a team that's going to be pretty good in the Big Ten. Um there, so I'm not like counting out counting out Michigan at all. I don't think they're not a top 20 team now because they lost to Harvard. Um, I think this game tells me a bit more about Harvard than it does about Michigan. Uh, Michigan's been tested now, you know, twice really. Uh, you think about Delaware, but then Harvard uh, is a bigger test as well, and they failed. Let's see what they do against Notre Dame on Saturday. Uh, Sam King, Owen Gaffney, five points on the day here. Uh, for Harvard, and then Nick Loring, two goals, five assists. He played fantastic. Next game to go over here is Brown and Stony Brook, and this is the last game we're going to get deep into here on Saturday. The other ones I was not able to catch, or uh, we don't really, not much worth talking about, but uh, Brown, really good second half, really good second half. Connor Thario, 18 saves on the game, uh, 10-7 victory for Brown over Stony Brook. They move to 5-1 and one on the season. They enter Ivy League play next week, play Harvard uh, in the Ivy League opener. That is going to be a really good one, both really good defenses there. And Brown's defense did a heck of a job today. Um, Stony Brook, 22 turnovers all game. Uh, 10 in the second half, four of which were caused. Seawolves struggling in the clearing game, 21 of 30 throughout the game, 9 of 14 in the second half alone. That Brown ride, we know Brown can play good in between the boxes, and they did. Um, and look, this is a Brown team that was trailing 5 to 3 at the intermission. It looked like Stony Brook had everything going their way. Dylan Palanetti, you've probably seen that just absolute beautiful uh, low to high rip right to the uh, top new side corner. Fantastic shot uh, from one of the best shooters in college across. Uh, but outside of that little run they had in the second quarter, uh, Brown's defense gave them all they could. And just as their defense was going, uh, the offense did as well. Uh, Bears go on a tear in the third quarter, scored six unanswered to pull ahead, nine, nine to five, with 211 left. <clears throat> Much of that is due to one Devin McLean had himself a fantastic game in this one. The final four goals of that uh, six-goal run came from Devin McLean. He finds his rhythm. Um, he also had the lone tally in the final period of play, very defensive, heavy fourth quarter. 
uh, to end with a game-high five goals on the day. A heck of an effort from Devin McLean and this Brown offense really giving it to the Stony Brook defense, doing all they could. Um, and then I mentioned the, the Brown defense with Connor Thaleo, 18 saves. Um, and look, this 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 study book offense was getting pushed around, uh, but when they got those opportunities to get those good shots on cage, Thaleo was there. So heck of a game here for Brown um, as Thaleo gets hot really in the second quarter, or second half, excuse me. Uh, but I also thought Anthony Palmer played very well for Stony Brook as well. They're in cage. And look, Brown, I, I will say this. You look at what Brown has done this season, and you see some of these collapses in the fourth quarter. Didn't have that. Um, there was an Anthony Palmer save that turned into a Stony Brook score less than a minute later. Uh, as Matt Anderson beats a short stick matchup and puts it on the other end. Um, and that made it a three-goal game. That made it up a three-goal game and ended up being the last goal of the contest. But here's the thing. In the past, that would have been a goal that set Brown back. That would have been a goal that set Brown into a funk or whatever you want to say. And we saw that happen against Vermont, against Villanova. And where they didn't play well in the fourth quarter, credit to the Bears, they didn't stop. Uh, they let that happen. They said, you know what, going to stick through it, and they did. Um, Stony Brook took seven shots following that fourth quarter goal, uh, three of which were stopped by Thaleo, and four others sailed wide, wide. One was blocked by a Brown defender. So... Brown really, really playing well in the fourth quarter for the first time all season. Um, Anderson's hat trick and Palmer's uh, 11 saves helped lead Anthony Palmer. 11 saves there, uh, as I mentioned. Both goalies played very well. Uh, lead the way for Stony Brook. And then you also saw Renz Conwin go 72% at the dot. That also includes an 8 for 11 mark in the second half alone. Again, Stony Brook got a lot of opportunities. Brown's defense shut it down. Georgetown, they get back in the win column, 15-10 over the Spiders. Uh, Graham Bundy Jr., really, really strong play for him. Five goals and one assist to lead the way. Alex Trippy, five points off three goals and two assists. Gibson Smith, four ground balls, four cost turnovers. I did not watch but the end of this one. Um, and look, this was one, the Hoyas sold out 5-0 out of the gate. Uh, Richmond credited them, able to climb back, but uh, the Hoyas really step on the gas there late and uh, hold off the Spiders to get the 15-10 win. Some other games here, Cornell and Penn State. This is one you had to be there to see, 16-15 win uh, for Cornell as they hold off the Nittany Lions. Um, now, this is, a, this is a feisty Penn State team. We've seen it. Uh, they, I think they've gotten better this season, uh, and, and they showed that again here today. Obviously, didn't get to see it uh, with it being moved inside, so there was no stream, but um, another good game for Penn State and another good win there for Cornell. 
He had Michael Long, five points off four goals there uh, and one assist. Gian Piatelli, five goals to lead the Big Red. Ethan Long, three goals to assist for Penn State. Alirik Fayok, 16 saves. Chase Irwin, 11 saves. Boston U, they uh, stepped on the gas early. They kept it on. 12-7 win over Bucknell as they remain undefeated. Timmy Lay, five points, two goals, three assists in this one. Connor Calderon, this is one area where I thought, uh, you know, in between the boxes and at the faceoff dot is where you thought that Boston U could probably beat Bucknell at, and they did just that. Uh, Calderon, 70% at the dot there. Uh, Boston U continues to roll. Another team that continues to roll, the Maryland Terrapins. 24-6 win over the Albany Great Danes in a game that was streamed on a cell phone. Um, inside being moved at the last minute there uh, due to the weather. Uh, this one sets up a number one versus number two rematch, uh, national championship rematch between Virginia and Maryland in Washington, D.C. next week. That is one to circle for sure. Friday night, uh, the one game we need to talk about here, Princeton keeps the Maestro Cup as they take down Rutgers, uh, knocking off the number three team in the nation once again. A really strong second half for Princeton. Eric Peters, 18 saves in this one. And look, they hold Rutgers uh, to Rutgers got the only goal of the third quarter. And then, <clears throat> no, 16-11 victory. It's me, 21 save performance from Eric Peters, not 18. 16-11 um, win for Princeton. Uh, and, and again, the second half, really, really good there. It's an 11-7, you know, Princeton halftime lead. Um there and, and that was cut to just eleven to eight with uh, Michael Sanguinetti getting the only goal for Rutgers there in the third quarter. Um and look the the, the Tigers once they got up by three, they never saw it fall below three uh for the remainder of the contest there as and big part of that, Colton Lacassey, uh the freshman was absolutely outstanding. Uh, making his second start at attack, stood out among the rest, four goals and two assists to help lead the way for the Tigers' offense. Two of those goals came during the fourth quarter. And and really, you can go find them on Twitter, uh, the clips of these fantastic goals. Uh, freezes Gene Felix with, with a fake before letting it fly for his fourth, and then uh, puts it for his third. And then his final goal of the night puts his defender in a spin cycle um, and stings the top corner. Uh, absolute beautiful uh, play there by the freshman. Has really come on here these past couple of games for Princeton. A tremendous, tremendous game for him on Friday. And really this Princeton defense, especially as we look at Eric Peters, his 21 saves, obviously. Uh, but then also, this defense just in general, I thought did a good job on the Rutgers offense. 
Um, and then vice versa, I think the Princeton offense did a good job against the Rutgers defense. Uh, Rutgers was not winning their one-on-one matchups uh, majority of the time. And really, especially on, on Slusher, who had six points, four goals to assist, wasn't able to shut him down at all. And this Princeton team, I think I, I took a lot away from this from Princeton might be the best Ivy League team. Like, I know last week I said, you know, Penn has probably the best record or the best resume. Uh, but, and I think I had Princeton at number two is what I had said. But Princeton, the way they've looked right now, um, I think Princeton, but and, and here's the thing. Princeton, and I said this last week, I still think Yale's probably going to win the Ivy because I think Yale has the higher ceiling for growth this year. Um, but Princeton right now is certainly looking like the best Ivy um, at the moment. And they've had a fantastic start to the season, getting another big one here over Rutgers. <clears throat> and look, Rutgers, I, I still think, you know, that they got that NASCAR offense going a bit uh, at times, but really second half offensively kind of stalled. And they did outshoot, got 54 shots off compared to it was like 30-something for Princeton. Uh, but, look, you run into a hot goalie, and, and sometimes that happens. And that's what happened to this one. A good rivalry matchup, as always, between those two as Princeton gets the big win there. Um, some other games to mention here. Let's see. Other games to mention. Is there anything else? I do want to shout out uh, Wagner as they got the big win over Mercer, 13-4. to Look, that is a defense that was third to last in the nation last year, and uh, they are a top 10 defense right now. A uh, really big jump there. Danny Cassidy, Stony Brook transfer, has played a big part in that. Uh, there, this uh, Wagner defense playing very well this season. Also, want to shout out uh, the Stony, uh, the Saint Bonaventure Bonnies. They played one of the weirdest schedules I've ever seen. Okay, um, they played Cleveland State in Saint Bonaventure on Friday night. Then they travel to Cleveland State on Sunday and play them. Win both games. It's tough to beat a team twice in a year. Think about beating them twice in one weekend. Um, very odd scheduling uh, quirk there, but uh, congrats to the bodies on getting that victory. That is it for today's episode. As always, thank you thank, thank all for tuning in. Check us out at lacrossebucket.com at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'll be back on Tuesday to preview what should be a uh, pretty good Tuesday slate as I look at it, Bucknell, Penn State being the highlight of that day. Also got UMass Vermont on Wednesday and Stony Brook UMass Lowell on Wednesday.